0: today's episode of This Much We Know. My name is Murphy Hopkins Hubbard and I'm joined today by my co-host Simon Pickering. This Much We Know is a podcast all about building social enterprise. We hope to share with you the good, the bad and the ugly. All of our learning and failures on developing impactful social enterprise, providing employment and training for those in need. We will be sharing with you a range of challenges, how to overcome them, And we're joined in each episode by a social entrepreneur sharing their stories successes and favorite facepalm moments
1: in this episode we're pleased to be joined by lucy finley founder of social enterprise mark and social entrepreneur she is very experienced in the social enterprise space and we look forward to sharing this one with you
2: it's a long story we're nearly 11 years old now There was a big gap around understanding of what social enterprise was and is still, I would say. Uh, So people understood what charity is, and that has certain images mainly about, you know, sort of volunteers and donations. And then there's a certain image of what business is, which is often, unfortunately, what the media projects, which is not necessarily the real case, but it's often about just making money and getting rich. Social enterprise is somewhere in between that. So we wanted to be able to set out a marker, really. We were inspired by fair trade, about a business that primarily is there for a social and environmental purpose, but it's making money in order to be able to do that and to create that social and environmental purpose. So that's what we were originally inspired to do, and we set up an accreditation to do that. We didn't know that that was what we were going to do at the time. We knew that we wanted some kind of identifier, but what that ended up metamorphosing into over time was an accreditation for social enterprises to, number one, demarcate them around the sort of social enterprise principles of reinvestment of profit for social and environmental purpose and being able to prove that they are making a difference as a business. So we have developed a social enterprise gold mark, which is a proof of excellence. And we've also developed an aspiring mark for those social entrepreneurs and aspiring social enterprises that want to move into this space, but maybe haven't quite made the business jump, if you like. So they may be still quite reliant on grants and donations. So that's one area in which we've expanded. Another way in which we've expanded is geographically. So we provide a support to social enterprises internationally to get the social enterprise mark. But most recently, we have started to work with partners in different countries to roll out the social enterprise mark. So we actually have a franchise stroke licensing organization in the U.S. based in Michigan, and we have an agreement with Social Impact Ireland. In lockdown, we also launched our Middle Eastern partnership as well with another social enterprise who'd been one of our longest international social enterprise mark holders alongside all of that we've also deviated into specialist products so we've also worked with a number of social enterprises that are supporting disabled employment so we have a specialist mark for those called the social enterprise disability employment mark
1: so lucy it's really interesting um, to hear sort of how you've grown and, and how things have really evolved over the time that you've run the social enterprise mark cic and um I'm really interested, when you started out, sort of sounds a bit cheesy, doesn't it? But on a scale of one to 10, sort of how confident were you in in what you were doing? Um, so that's where you started. And where would you say you you sort of, you are at the moment in terms of that confidence scale on a one to 10 basis?
2: Okay, well, it was something that had never been done in the world before. You know, we were the first accreditation for social enterprises, I look back on it and I think actually we were quite naive. There were so many things that happened over that period of time. And at first we were set up as a project of uh, a grant-led organisation. So I think it would probably depend exactly when you said about us starting off. But I think probably I had a lot of drive for the idea. I had absolutely no idea what I was biting off though so I would have probably in retrospect I would have applied about a five but I probably was a, a seven or so because I was just kind of so optimistic but I look back on it and I think wow you know there's been such a journey and things that I just didn't anticipate so I think I, I would have said you know I, I was reasonably confident even though I hadn't run a social enterprise before. It was probably as good that I was reasonably confident or otherwise I might not have done it, but I would still only give myself a
0: five. Thanks Lucy. Um, It's always interesting to see sort of if people, the more you know, the less you know, sort of phenomenon. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) Um, Yeah. sorry, you asked me about um, where I would say
2: that I was now. I would say I was probably an eight or a nine, depending on which day you get me on. The reason being that we've reached 10 years and also I feel that we have really grown over the time of COVID. So although it's been a very difficult time... It's been quite an exciting time as well. It's brought about all sorts of different opportunities that perhaps we wouldn't have had. And I think a number of businesses have said this period has accelerated trends. Um, And I think it's accelerated our business in terms of changes and where we needed to go next.
0: Mm, That's really interesting. I think there's a lot of people being able to take and check of what's going on and sit back and think how they want to do things. And hopefully, um, you know, bringing in a social impact as part of that. In the, in the last 10 years, what would you say the key milestones have been for you? Is there any key markers that you think have been significant in the growth or learning for you?
2: Yes, I think firstly, when we set up as a social enterprise, at the time we were in a joint venture, and i went into that a bit naively really and we came out of that quite quickly because it's something that you learn really um that everybody if you if you're in a joint venture you need to be aligned in terms of your thinking and if the two partners aren't very well aligned then that is quite problematic so we ended up coming out of that so that was probably the first key marker and I got some advice, actually, at the time on how to address that, because that was quite difficult, both for the team and for the organisation. I got some advice from Nigel Kershaw, actually, from The Big Issue. And he told me a story of how The Big Issue had gone through a similar difficult time and how they had just hunkered down and just concentrated on saving the business and he said I remember he, him saying to you, to me you know Lucy you probably just need to spend six months or so just hunkering down and consolidating things and that was a really useful piece of advice. The next probable marker would be when we launched the social enterprise Gold mark and that was a real celebration. We did that in the House of Commons. I didn't know whether the product would sell as well as it did. And to hear the value that people were getting from the social enterprise gold mark and to celebrate that in the House of Commons, where we attracted a number of quite high-level politicians as well, was really quite exciting. And that has been a really important development for the business And then probably the next was when we had our 10th birthday celebration, which was back in February last year, where it felt like we'd arrived. We were no longer the kind of the new kids on the block. We were established and it was a really big celebration with all those that had supported us over the years. And then we went straight lockdown more or less weeks after that. So obviously that's been a big marker, I think, for absolutely everybody in business and in the social enterprise and charity and well, everybody in the whole world, really, hasn't <laughs> it? It's it's no nobody's ever experienced anything like this before that are really in living memory. So.
1: so looking back over the last 10 years, then Lucy, um, what would you say was the you touched just in that just now about hunkering down and focusing on the business. Yeah. Um, Was that your biggest challenge over the last 10 years or or would would you you credit something else as your biggest challenge that you've overcome?
2: That was a very, very big challenge at the early stage for the survival of the business. Going forward, I would say that another big challenge has been how we make the product international We have accepted people into the social enterprise mark internationally, but obviously we're a team of five. And when you're trying to run an international business and you don't know necessarily everything about every country's legal regime, etc., that is quite a challenge. So when we announced our franchise with the US, which was 2018, That's been quite a challenge and actually learning how you you roll the business out in another context and working with a partner to be flexible in order to be able to develop a product that's appropriate for that market. Um, That has been another challenge.
0: That's really interesting. um, Thinking about those sort of conversations and, yeah, completely different contexts and how to fit something in. Um, Thank you for that. Following on from that, I know you mentioned a conversation that you had with Nigel from Big Issue Invest. Can you think of any other conversations that you've had while developing your social enterprise that have been particularly influential? Yes,
2: I think right at the outset, when I was helping to set up the company, One of the things that has been really pivotal was understanding our terminology and how we developed our, what they call the USP, unique selling proposition, and positioning ourselves as an accreditation body. That was certainly a very important part of just developing the business idea, if you like, and learning how we became different. You know, when I was running an organisation that was grant led, that sort of messaging was not nearly as important. Other conversations have probably been around how we create social impact as well. So probably we've had that conversation, that's been more an internal conversation. So we developed our own social impact survey that we run on an annual basis with our mark holders and actually being able to articulate how we're making a difference and what difference that is making to our mark holders has also been quite an important conversation to have and we're certainly moving even more in that direction um, with our board so we've We've just had a session on values, for example, and what values and how do we articulate as a value-led business. So I think there's been lots of influential conversations. I think I've also found a lot of support from other female leaders as well. You know, it can be quite hard sometimes having the confidence to speak up. And that has only just come over time. But talking to other women that have been setting up social enterprises and that are leaders in the social enterprise field, that sort of conversation is really important from a motivational point of view as well.
0: Brilliant. Yeah, the value of, of your network yes. around you is, is really good to hear about. You mentioned earlier looking at fair trade as an inspiration. Are there other organisations that you'd earmark similar? Um, B Corp movement, for example, that you've sort of looked to or worked with? We've been very influenced, probably not necessarily
2: by equivalent business accreditations. It's been more about the sort of parallel developments. So, for instance, we had quite a lot of dialogue early on and decided to take up other accreditations like living wage that was trying to achieve very similar types, but slightly different, you know, sort of parallel types of accreditation. It's not necessarily always been about other accreditations. I mean, we've, we've also had contact with people like the ethical consumer um, magazine that have helped us think through some of our positioning around certain things. But it's probably been more about listening to other business leaders. I've drawn quite a lot of strength from um, networks of business leaders. And it's quite surprising, even though you're running a social enterprise, there is often a lot in common that you can get from those leaders and We uh, run sessions every month with the network that I'm in and brainstorm problems. Usually leaders can come up with some ideas, even though they're not accreditation organisations, they are business people, but they can make the jump if you like. We've got partners that we work with. So over the time of COVID, we have become much more involved in partnership working that perhaps we weren't before. So it's been about identifying where we can help boost other organisations' presence. So, for instance, Social Value UK, we've done quite a lot of work with them trying to promote the social value and a social value concept and also lobby for businesses to take social value in part of what they do as they do their account. It sort of g- comes and goes depending on what the, the driver of the business actually is and, and where I need input. So I, I kind of draw from different networks.
1: We mentioned just before we started recording, and we'll come back to that, um, your connection with the big issue and it's come up in the conversation. Um, and as you probably know, our podcast is is aimed um, at those working in the homeless sector who are either early starting in terms of social enterprise, or or they're just considering it, or looking at how we can use social enterprise as a model to create social impact and help people uh, move out of homelessness through employment and training. Um, in terms of looking across your sort of all your members, who have you got that stands out in terms of homeless sector, um, and and why do they stand out to you? I'd be really interested to know what you think on that.
2: There's a few really and 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 it's a real range of different types of organizations. So there's the community land finance, which you know so there's there's specific, a bit like big issue invest, you know, the particular loan providers that provide support and funds for people to get affordable homes. That's one. There's a number of organisations like Home First that provides support for people when they're in housing to adapt. So if they have particular needs that they want to identify or that they identify, you know, maybe because they become disabled or they have some particular access issue, I've also encountered some of the associations that have set up social enterprises that have been quite interesting in what they've done. So, for instance, there's New Leaf, which is part of Bournemouth Church's housing association, that have set up a number of businesses within the New Leaf brand that provide things like food for their more vulnerable tenants. They provide a training service for tenants to get into employment through things like upcycling and recycling furniture and other types of training programmes. What I am impressed with is just the diversity and the way in which people in all of these organisations see opportunities for business, if you like, to address some of the big, not just pure homeless or housing challenges, but all of the the issues that are associated with this particular sector and helping people to become less dependent on state benefits and giving them the opportunity to grow their own confidence and become more self-sufficient and grow in their own lives. And one of the exciting things that I was talking about before this interview to you guys was the work that we've been doing with Big Issue Invest Trust to provide loans to vendors to try and support them with their business ideas because That is such an exciting development to move somebody out of, you know, first of all, to get them into the the situation where they can become a vendor. And then secondly, for them to be able to feel that they can move on and develop a business idea um, with obviously the support of the big issue, not only financially, but through the means of a support worker that can help guide them through that
0: So Lucy, thanks for that. If you could go back in time now and tell yourself anything, um, a piece of advice, something that you've learned along the way, um, perhaps a venture that you followed that didn't turn out right, um, what would your one piece of advice to yourself be? I
2: think it is to focus in on what matters and not get too distracted by the world around and keep in your head the reason why you're there that is the one and and part of that is about not getting bogged down in the politics and and you know uh, what other people are doing just being really focused and being brave and saying this is actually what we do and we are a valid organization and our opinions are just as valid as anybody else's so it's it's about that focus
1: i think
0: Great, thanks. Um, That's lovely to sort of give yourself that um, confidence to to do what you need to do.
1: That was a great great answer, I think, that one. I think that's the key thing, isn't it, for anyone looking at social enterprise, is about focus and really, really just getting that idea and getting that model really tight in order to actually let it grow and let it become something. I think there's too often we expect stuff to be instantly deliverable, and actually I think within this sector it just takes time to get stuff really developed and and, you know understood as well.
2: It's funny you should say that Simon because I remember years ago when I was in Job Before Last I was a support worker for a social enterprise organisation and we always used to say it takes 10 years to become financially sustainable and I was like oh yes, it's now I'm on my 10th year, I think I can kind of understand all of that, you know, it takes ages and I think that is part of the problem, we do expect everything to sort of come together very, very quickly and it never happens as quickly as you think it's going to do if you're unfocused then it's going to take even longer because you'll just get very distracted and might end up disappearing as a result because you haven't been able to concentrate on what matters.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, you come across a lot of enterprises where they, um, you know, almost people are saying, how can we stop this from being so much hard work? And and I think I've come to the conclusion, actually, the only way to make it work is that hard work bit. You know, it is painful trying to grow a social enterprise that is genuinely, you know, that has lasting impact and is sustainable. It doesn't come. It doesn't come easily, I don't, you know, I don't think. Um, and that's partly why we've got this podcast running because actually we want people to learn from others that are further down the track or, or, or learn um, some of the mistakes that other people made um, in order to save time and help them to be more, you know, to reach that point more quickly. That's sort of where we're coming out of this podcast from. Um so it's been really good to have you on Lucy it's been really interesting to listen to you uh, and learn about how you've established the social enterprise mark it's, it's brilliant so it's been really good to have you on
0: Yeah thank you so much um yeah it's been just echo simon saying it's been great since I sort of spoke first spoke to sophie about a year ago now i just see you guys everywhere <laughs> particularly since um lockdown which is brilliant i keep going to sort of online webinars and you guys are involved. Um, so it's great to see everything you've been doing. Oh, thank you. Yeah. No, it's, it's it's good. And as I say, uh,
2: I think lockdown has ironically just sped up what we knew we needed to do, but it's crystallised our thoughts and, and where we need to move to next. So it's great that you are seeing more of us. It can feel exhausting sometimes, though, just sitting in your bedroom and, you know, as you well know, seeing the same walls day after day and thinking, am I talking to a void? But actually, I think I've talked to far more people internationally and nationally than ever I would have done just because of the way in which we've all had to reach out over this time.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I think I spend a lot more time um, speaking to people rather than my previous life of trains, which I sort of miss. Um, And yeah, I completely understand the pain of sitting in your one room i've been changing my seat on the table for the last nine months (laughs) looking slightly terrifying and getting a bit dizzy but um it does work
1: (laughs) and lucy where can where can listeners find out more um about social enterprise mark
2: we are at sc underscore mark on twitter and we're www.socialenterprisemark.org.uk is our website.
1: So that's the end of Series 1 of This Much We Know. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed making them. A huge thank you to all of our guests. For Neil at Freedom One for production, please get in touch if you'd like to come on the podcast or have a suggestion for a guest. Email us at thismuchweknow at homelesslink.org.uk or tweet us at this much underscore we know. We'd love to hear from you.